MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Sharita Brent in studio with Mary Margaret Miller from Visit Mississippi. We've got a great show lined up for you today. Joel McNeese is going to tell us about the newest Blues Trail marker in Bruce for Leo Bud Welch. We'll hear from Captain Bob Kubota about a unique touring opportunity in Vicksburg. Glenn Musgrove tell us, tells us about Friday Night Live in Meridian, and we'll hear the story of downtown Carla Brown in Natchez. As always, you can give us a call and tell us about any local events going on in your area. The number is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Follow the conversation on Twitter. Search the hashtag NextStopMS. It's Next Stop Mississippi, and it's coming up after the news on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined by Mary Margaret Miller of Visit Mississippi. And today we're going to be talking about a lot of things. Today uh, we'll talk about the newest blues trail marker in Bruce for Leo Bud Welch. Also, Captain Bob Caboto is going to talk with us about a unique touring opportunity in Vicksburg. Glenn Musgrove is going to tell us about Friday Night Live in Meridian. And we'll hear the story of downtown Carla Brown in Natchez. As always, you can give us a call. The number is 877-MPB-RING. And let us know what is going on in your area of Mississippi. Any kind of event, doesn't matter what kind it is, we want to hear about it. 877-672-7464. You can also email nextstop at mpbonline.org. We're on Twitter. Just search the hashtag nextstopms, and you can find us that way. Good morning, Mary Margaret. How are you this morning? Good morning, Sharita. It is so good to be sharing the airwaves with you once again. Absolutely. I'm recovering from a very eventful night at Fondren's first Thursday in the Fondren area. Last night, Mary Margaret, the theme was pimento cheese. So on every little vendor spot, they had some form of pimento cheese food. So I had pimento cheese macaroni from the Iron Horse Grill. I had a pimento cheese slider from Parlor Market. It had barbecue bacon on it. What else did I have? Oh, I had a um, pimento cheese meatball and this restaurant. I cannot remember, which is so horrible, but it was really good. Um, And I mean, it was just wonderful because I'm a huge fan of pimento cheese. So that was really uh, (laughs) great for me to be able to experience all those different dishes. Well, absolutely. And it's funny that you bring up pimento cheese because I saw a recipe this week for pimento cheese presented in a way I had never heard of before. And that was the pimento cheese nab. Sharita, do you know what a nab is? No. What is that? So nabs are the little um, crackers with the peanut butter or the cheese in, um, in between that you buy the pack of six like at a gas station when you're on a road trip or just oh, need a yeah. little fill-me-up. Those are nabs. And so um, a chef, a uh, cookbook writer out of North Carolina has a new cookbook out, and pimento cheese nabs are one of the Ooh. big recipes. 
Yeah, Fonja's first Thursday is really cool. Uh, to my understanding, it's growing, and I can tell because it's, I mean, you're shoulder to shoulder with people. But there were local artists out there performing in different corners and little intimate areas. That was really cool. Lots of vendors out there. I got some um, organic-like lemonade that was delicious and affordable. Uh, I got some popcorn, and I got to see them make it live. That that kettle popcorn, I mean, the little pan that he was making it in was huge. He had a mask on and everything. I, I really didn't know it was that detailed. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, I don't have to tell you this, but October really is um, the most beautiful month, I think, that we have in Mississippi. And so people are really getting active around the state. I know that the folks over in Cleveland um, had a big night this week with the Avet Brothers, the super popular kind of indie uh, rock band played at the Bologna Performing Arts Center. Um, things happening all around the state. Now, you know, I know we're going to have Joel McNeese from Bruce on a little later in the show to talk about the Blue Trail Marker unveiling in Bruce, Mississippi, that's happening tomorrow on Saturday. But we also had a marker unveiling in Moss Point on Tuesday on the Mississippi Blues Trail. Uh, they, that took place during the big cruising the coast event um, down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. But uh, the Moss Point unveiling was really awesome. Just the second marker in Jackson County. Um, Are you there? Well, she was about to talk about a Freedom Trail marker on the campus of Jackson State. This particular one was the Council of Federated Organizations. They have been awarded a historic designation on the Mississippi Freedom Trail. During the Civil Rights Movement, it served as an umbrella organization for civil rights organizations working in Mississippi during the mid-1960s. So hopefully Mayor Margaret can tell us a little bit more about that. Are you there again, Mayor Margaret? Hey, Sharita. Sorry about that. Okay. Uh, we'll continue what you were saying about the Blues Marker in Moss Point. Yes, absolutely. I'm not sure what off, but uh, the Blues Marker in Moss Point talks particularly about several different families of musicians, but Charles Fairley, a great horn player, and Otis Carter, uh, also a horn player and a band leader down on the coast, um, were there for the unveiling, and they were honored um, during the ceremony, and it was really just an outstanding day to be in beautiful Moss Point. I mean, there's an incredible Audubon Center there that's got a brand-new facility and really a lot happening in this little town so close to the coast. Okay, and so tell us more about this uh, new marker on the Mississippi Freedom Trail, um, because we're we're getting up there now in the numbers uh, as far as markers on the Freedom Trail. But this one is very special. Uh, I was reading that this was a pretty special honor for Jackson State in particular, uh, because it's one of the few institutions that is serving as the home to two markers. Uh, so could you talk to us about that one? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you bring it up. Um, we celebrated um, the Council of Federated Organizations Central Offices on Wednesday, the 5th of October. That's the COFO offices on the Jackson State campus right there on, on John R. Lynch Street. This is number 23 on the Mississippi Freedom Trail, and it is the second marker on the Jackson State campus, which, you know, really served as such a corridor and a, and a kind of nerve center for the civil rights movement. Um, but what I am particularly excited about, about the COFO marker, is that right there at the COFO Central offices today um, is, is the Fannie Lou Hamer Institute. This mm-hmm. is a, a museum and a space that explores um, social justice issues, um, uh, dialogue around racial reconciliation, further academic and personal um, exploration of 
the civil rights movement. So when our um, our local Mississippians, when visitors come and, and they visit the COFO marker, they can not only, of course, absorb all of the great information shared on the physical marker, but they can walk in the doors and they can speak with Dr. Rico Chapman or um, Keith McMillan, who are always there at the center welcoming um, visitors, researchers. There's a wonderful art gallery there in the space, um, a really awesome exhibit up right now. So it was, it was a great day in the sense that we're celebrating a very active space, um, a space that's still active in civil rights in Mississippi, um, but also a wonderful history. Um, Bob Moses, who was the founding COFO program director, was on the program on Wednesday. He shared um, at length about his experience and his, uh, you know, real motivation for starting COFO, which is, as you mentioned, like an umbrella organization for all of the different civil rights groups that were working in Mississippi in the 60s. And I'm really glad that they put a lot of work into um, trying to preserve the the uh, building because I read that they renovated the interior and the exterior, so they were really serious about um, acknowledging it as a treasure and making sure that it stayed open and uh, its history is preserved. Oh, absolutely, and and it's just um, it's such an active space. And the first time I went over to COFO to meet with the folks over there and talk about this marker. There was a group of uh, freshman JSU students uh, touring the space and kind of learning about Bob Moses and Fannie Lou Hamer and Aaron Henry and Medgar Evers. And it was just really great to see the space so active. And, of course, to hear reflections from Bob Moses and um, Dr. Leslie Burl McLemore, who is the chair of our Freedom Trail Task Force, but was also um, active and and present during um, during those days in the 60s on the JSU campus. And so we're um, just really pleased to add this number 23 to the trail of 33. Um, and, you know, we hope folks will get out and really explore this project that is growing um, uh, not only in, in the sense of additional markers, but in the sense of interest. I had uh, three travel writers in Mississippi in the, over the past month who were here specifically to explore uh, the civil rights story in Mississippi. And I'm proud of the infrastructure that we're building with this program. Yeah, and uh, we're, we're going to take a break in just a second, but I wanted to ask, uh, to, to wrap up, Mayor Margaret, about the impact of trails in general. When you think about the Blues Trail, the Freedom Trail, I think we have a tamale trail, we have a seafood trail. Um, what kind of impact do these trails have on the particular areas uh, of which they're in? Well, you know, it's it's funny that you mentioned that. Dr. McLemore, in his remarks on Wednesday, talked about the little town of Lambert. And the biggest thing in Lambert is their Blues Trail marker. And similarly, when we were in Myersville uh, just a few weeks ago celebrating you need a Blackwell, uh, you know, arguably the biggest thing in Myersville right now is our Freedom Trail marker. So we know that these markers are a great point of civic pride and of community culture. And and they also really just um, create somewhat of a, a roadmap or an itinerary for people, whether you're from outside of Mississippi or you've lived here all your life, just a way to kind of map out how to explore um, this really mysterious and complex and crazy place that we call home. Yeah. Well, do you have any big plans for the weekend? You know, I am, I'm going to be in Jackson. Um, we do have our big marker unveiling in uh, Bruce tomorrow, celebrating Calhoun County Blues and Leo Bud Welch. 
I would certainly love to be there. There's a lot going on around the state, but I am going to, uh, I think, just soak in these low 80s temperatures and maybe fire up the grill. <laughs> yeah, sounds good. Well, I'll be waiting for my invite. Thank you very much. <laughs> Absolutely. I always got a plate for you, Sharita. Absolutely. Well, we're going to get ready to take a quick break. And uh, today we're featuring another trail marker. It's a blues trail marker in Bruce. We'll talk about that. Also, there's a really, really cool event going on in Vicksburg featuring uh, this ship uh, that has some war history to it. So we'll talk about that today. And uh, Friday Night Live, it's a big series going on um, at at Temple Theater in Meridian. We'll talk about that as well. Glenn Musgrove is going to join us. And uh, if you have any events going on in your area that you'd like, to call us about and let us know about give us a call at 877 MPB ring and let us know what is going on in your part of the state we'd love to hear from you the number is 877-672-7464 or send an email to nextstop at mpbonline.org we'll be back in just a moment This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent. We have lots of things to talk about today to keep you up to date with what is going on around you. Joel McNeese is going to tell us about the newest Blues Trail, trail marker in Bruce, and it is on in honor of Leo Bud Welch. We'll find out about that and a great touring opportunity in Vicksburg. Glenn Musgrove is on the line. We'll get to him in just a second, and we'll hear about the story of downtown Carla Brown in Natchez. As I mentioned, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you have any comments or questions, if you want to let us know about any events going on in your part of Mississippi. We'd love to hear from you, 877-672-7464, or email nextstop at mpbonline.org. Before we speak to Glenn, we're going to go first to Patty, who's in Water Valley. Good morning, Patty. Yes, hi. Hey. Um, can you hear me? Because I just heard a little uh, problem with the radio. Oh, I can hear you very well. Oh, good. Well, I just wanted to uh, once again tell the public that we're having the 8th Annual Water Valley Arts Crawl, which is tomorrow night from 5.30 to 9 in Water Valley. We have 13 venues, many really good artists, including John Steele Davis and Michael Maxwell. Uh, it, this is free to the public. And we'll have live music at at least three or four venues and a dance troupe happening on Main Street. Oh, that sounds good. So is it family-friendly? Any ages can come? Any age can come. Again, this is free to the public. We give everybody, every house usually gives you more food than you'll want. (laughs) Um, There's going to be a disco party at 9 o'clock at Beaux-Arts Gallery, which is also having a fabulous art show, which is a circus art, sideshow art, uh, art show right on Main. And uh, I think it's going to be a wonderful time. This is our eighth 
actually award-winning Waterbelly Art Co. We have won two awards for this. Wow. Well, congratulations on that. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much so, for calling, Patty. Um, and well, is there a place to go for people who want more information? Yes. For more information, you can call Ramona Bernard at 662. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, boy. <laughs> Or they can just Google Water Valley Arts Crawl, right? I got it. Okay. 473-9851. All right. Sounds good. Patty, thanks for calling. Thank you. All right. Okay. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to let us know what events are going on in your part of Mississippi. Let your other fellow Mississippians know. 877-672-7464 is the number. Now we're going to invite on the line Glenn Musgrove, who's going to tell us about the Friday Night Live series going on in Meridian. Good morning, Glenn. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for uh, having us on the show today. All right. Well, I came across this event, and I'm a, a music fan, so I just thought it was a, a really uh, cool event. So tell us how long this series has been going on. Well, Friday Night Live actually started. Uh, it took the place of the long-running Supernachi Review that was held at the Temple Theater in Meridian uh, for about 11 years. And then last September, uh, Jackie White retired the, the Supernachi, and uh, uh, we picked it up and, and uh you know, made a few changes, and now it's Friday Night Live. It's been going on since last September, and it's a program that features, uh, you know, multi genres of music. Oh, uh, you may hear anything from classic country to pop to uh, blues to just whatever bluegrass. I mean, it's all over the spectrum, uh, basically to showcase the talent that we have in Mississippi. That sounds good. So uh, tell us, it, it's held at Temple Theater. Um, so give us a little background about Temple Theater. I know lots of great talent comes through that theater. If if you've never been to the Temple, this uh, uh, it, it's a grand old lady. I'm telling you, that theater has been there. It uh, was built by the Shriners and uh, started in 1924. And I believe construction was completed in 1927. Uh, that theater was home to uh, a lot of the vaudeville uh, plays. Uh, it's got the old Robert Morton pipe organ. Uh, I think it's one of maybe one of uh, just a couple left in existence, and uh, it's still it's still operational. Uh, and matter of fact, at 6:45 tonight, 15 minutes uh, just before our show, uh, there'll be I'm sure probably Mr. Frank Evans or one of those uh, those great musicians up there will be giving a mini concert as they do every month on the organ. And uh, that thing is a, a, a sight to see and, and hear as well. Uh, but uh, that comes from the old silent picture days. That that organ has been in that theater for a number of years. And the theater was, you know, used for, for all those type shows, uh, sort of the singer group of theaters, I believe, at the time. But it was probably the largest of any in the state. And uh, the Jimmy Rogers festivals were held there for years and years. There's a wall of the, the folks that have come through there and performed in that theater. And it's unbelievable to see the, the number of people. Uh, it's sort of like the Grand Ole Opry in Mississippi, I guess, the, the, the reverence of the Grand Ole Opry stage in Mississippi. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was told just last week that when the Grand Ole Opry first started, uh, when it first began, of course, they didn't have a venue, and it was offered to the Temple Theater in Meridian first uh, as the first uh, venue to house the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, I'm assuming probably because Jimmy Rogers was and a native of Meridian, was, was living there, his father of country music. 
so uh, they offered it to the Temple Theater first, but uh, the folks in Meridian uh, at the time, I, I was told, uh, thought it may increase a lot of prices with tourism, that much tourism coming into town. Got to remember, this was, this was years and years and years ago, and uh, they declined the offer. So, you know, theoretically, that is the was the first choice venue for the Grand Ole Opry, and it's still just a fine of auditorium to, to play in or listen to a show in as it's ever been. It is a beautiful piece of history. Yeah, and it's beautifully designed. I'm really impressed with just the way it looks, and I've heard a lot about the acoustics of the room um, and the way it is designed. Can you talk about how big it is and uh, how it feels in there when you have people performing? Oh, the theater holds about, uh, I think, 1,500. Uh, it's three-tiered, of course, the floor section and then a midsection and the balcony above that. Uh, any spot in the theater is a good spot to sit. Um, as far as sound quality goes and, and the view to the stage. Um, it's um, uh, Merle Haggard, the big country legend Merle Haggard, uh, one time made the comment that uh, that was probably the best acoustical building that he had ever played in and mm. was one of his favorites to play because of the ease of sound. It was designed before uh, the days of technology when you know sound equipment or anything was available. So uh, uh, I know in, in our setting up... Uh, preparing to do the show uh, when we first took it over uh julie stood on stage and uh sang acapella and we moved around different spots in the theater and you could hear her at the same volume level at any spot without any amplification whatsoever so it's just uh it's a beautiful place to play and uh, uh we're we're very fortunate to be able to to have that for a venue for friday night live now, you mentioned the caliber of artists that have come through the Temple Theater. Do you have any memorable performances, any of your favorites? Oh, uh, well, y- yeah, I do. Uh, we, uh, first country concert, I guess, that I ever uh, attended, other than a, like a fairgrounds concert or whatever, uh, was back in 1988. It was in the Temple Theater in Meridian, and it was Mel Tillis. Uh, mm. It was an awesome show up there. And uh, as a matter of fact, he debuted a song. It was his last charted hit called You'll Come Back, You Always Do. And ironically, we are performing Davis County, uh, who is the host group who I play with for uh, Friday Night Live. Uh, we are performing that song tonight back on that stage again some uh, uh, 30-something, almost 30-something years later, you know? Wow. So you're a musician? Uh, well, I- I'm self-proclaimed, but yes, ma'am, <laughs> I'm, uh, uh, I'm a guitar player with the Davis County Band. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so remind us once again who's playing tonight. Well, of course, Davis County will be there. And if, you, if you're not familiar with, with Davis County, uh, we're based out of South Mississippi, out of, uh, out of the Laurel, well, stretches from Waynesboro to, to Laurel on into Covington County to Mount Olive. Uh, all of our folks uh, are from three different counties. But uh, we just, uh, and there's a lot of history behind that name of Davis County, but it, it goes back to uh, to the 1800s and that that name there was actually jones county was actually once named davis county uh and there's a mouth that we have uh, uh we have been presented by the i believe the sons of confederate veterans gave us that mouth where that showed that davis county uh owned the mouth where jones county is now uh mm-hmm. so a little bit of history going back into the name but uh davis county is uh seven piece i'm well eight piece uh band now we've just added another member wow and uh we uh, uh, we play any variety of music that there is out there. We uh, we we love music. We love to play. We've been around for years and years. Um, so we host the show, and uh, we'll be performing tonight. 
Also, uh, our special guest tonight is Wes Breland. Wes is uh, a native uh, native of Laurel, but now lives in Hattiesburg. And uh, uh, Wes is an awesome singer, uh, songwriter. He'll be doing uh, some cover tunes, plus uh, one of his originals tonight. And uh, uh, a couple of more guys that will be on the show. Uh, sort of special to us, uh, John Musgrove and Walt Sellers make up the duo Bakersfield. Those are kids out of uh, uh, the band members. And they do a great job as well. John is the uh, MC for the show, and uh, uh, always. And, and who knows if someone? We've literally had uh, Jack Harper, country Jack Harper, uh, from up in North Mississippi, caught him walking down the sidewalk hmm. in the show one night. And uh, uh, country Jack is a, a great entertainer and singer. And we pulled him in the side door, carted him right on up the stage, and and put him in front of a microphone. So. Uh, it just depends who shows up, uh, you know. And we we uh, we may have a surprise, and it may be as much a surprise to us it is, as it is to the folks in the crowd. But uh, we're all about Mississippi-based talent. Uh, there's a lot Mississippi has to offer, and uh, I I'm, I think it's a a great way to showcase our talent here in Mississippi. Well, it sounds like you guys have a great thing going on there, uh, especially on the music front. So keep on pushing on. Uh, let us know where people can go to find more information about Friday Night Live. Uh, right now, if, you, uh, if you're on Facebook, you can hit us on our Facebook page, Friday Night Live. Uh, punch it in. Bring it up. Uh, and uh, uh, you can find any information there. On the show, you can also find information on visitmeridian.com, uh, the Temple Theater for the Performing Arts in Meridian. And uh, 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 doors open at 6 tonight at the theater. There's plenty of free parking, uh, concessions available at the theater. Uh, $10 at the door gets you in, and uh, part of that admission helps support the Temple Theater and keep that in operation because it is, uh, it is a nonprofit theater now. And uh, uh, that thing is, uh, of course, costly to upkeep. But yeah. we certainly want to keep a treasure like that up and going and uh, uh, keep that here in Mississippi. All right. Well, Glenn, thank you so much for being on today. Uh, this has been a great interview. We appreciate you joining us. Yes, ma'am. Thank you all. And we'd uh, love to see everyone there. So come on out. All right. That was Glenn Musgrove, who is a band member and uh, one of the hosts for Friday Night Live at Temple Theater in Meridian. So check it out if you're in that area. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll speak with Captain Bob Kubota about a wonderful opportunity in Vicksburg to tour. Also, we'll learn about downtown Carla Brown's story out of Natchez. And there's a new marker uh, coming up in Bruce. We'll talk about that as well. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation and let us know about any events going on in your area. Just anything you'd like to talk about, give us a call 877-672-7464 or email nextstop at mpbonline.org. We'll be back in just a moment. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, and today we are telling you about the various things going on across the state. Just in case you want to get out and have some fun this weekend, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING and let us know what events are going on in your area of Mississippi. That's 877-672-7464. You can also email nextstop at mpbonline.org. In just a moment, we're going to talk with you about a great opportunity in Vicksburg to tour a historic ship. But first, we're going to go to Martha, who's in Pontotoc. Good morning, Martha. What do you have for us? Well, uh, this Sunday from 2 to 4 in downtown Pontotoc at the Pontotoc City Cemetery, we are having Voices from the Past. We are portraying 22 of our notable citizens from the past. Our city cemetery is a very historical cemetery. In fact, the Chickasaw Nation gave the land for the cemetery and one of the folks that we're portraying, of course, will be Major General William Colbert. Hmm. And on up through notable citizens of the 20th century, we have mayors, senators, politicians, you know, education and medical professionals. Okay. So uh, we're really looking forward to that, and that'll be at the city cemetery. And we'll also have a, a Victorian tea at the Pontotoc Community House. Okay, and what's the time on that again? Two to four. This Sunday, October the 9th. All right. Sounds good. Sounds like a great opportunity for folks to come out and learn uh, about those who who paved the way. So thank you so much. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Martha. Have a great Uh weekend. You too. Bye bye. All right. So we're going to go from Pontotoc and travel to Vicksburg where we, we are joined by Captain Bob Kubota. Now, first of all, Captain, you have to help me pronounce your last name because I don't feel like I've been saying it right. <laughs> You're saying it for just right. Oh, excellent. Just like, the, just like the tractor company. Oh, okay. Excellent. Well, I'm really excited to hear about this uh, landing ship that's going to be on display in Vicksburg. Uh, there are going to be some tours about it and folks are going to learn about it. So uh, this is the USS. 325 World War II landing ship. So tell us what that means. Actually, this is a LST, USS LST 325 landing ship tank. These were designed that they could hold 20 Sherman tanks, plus they could haul, they'd fill them. That was on the tank deck. And then on the next deck up, they could cover it with uh, all types of vehicles, whether it was big trucks or uh, Jeeps or anything else that needed to go to the beach. So prior to these, there was really no way to get tanks or heavy equipment on the beach very rapidly. Uh, We kind of destroyed the harbors. We didn't want the enemy using them. And then when they evacuated, of course, they would destroy anything that we had not already destroyed. So it took several months to get the uh, harbors back open. And prior to this time, all the the ships pretty much had to have a nice dock you would come in and tie up and then take a crane and set the to the to all the, the tanks and the trucks and stuff up. With these, they actually have a bow ramp, and uh, these would drive right into the beach, and they throw the bow ramp down, and the tanks could drive off very quickly, so they could get armor to fight the uh, enemy tanks very quickly on the beach. So, how old is this ship? This was uh, built in 1942. Um, now, I read that it was at some point in the service of the Greek Navy. A little bit about the history of this ship. Uh, it, was, it was built in 42, and it uh, served in North Africa, and then it served in uh, the invasion of Sicily, and then served again in the... Uh, then after that campaign, they moved up to uh, Salerno, which is on the west coast of Italy, and after they was released from there, they went up and practiced in England, 
uh, practiced and got ready for the D-Day invasion. And then they landed at D-Day, and uh, then they made a total of 43 more trips back and forth from England to all the various ports in uh, France, delivering equipment to the beaches and taking anything back that needed to go back, including wounded soldiers or enemy POWs. After the war, it was decommissioned and uh, mothballed. And then uh, at the beginning of the Cold War, uh, if you're familiar with what they used to call the Dew Line, the distant early warning line, that's when the Russians developed the ICBM missiles and the nuclear weapons, uh, there was no way to see them coming because the short way to launch a missile is, of course, over the North Pole, and no way to see them coming. So they brought this ship back out of service, recommissioned it, and they put it in service Instead of carrying tanks, it was carrying construction equipment, and it, this, again, was in the North Atlantic. But they built these radar sites all the way from the tip of the Aleutians all across Alaska, Canada, Greenland, and Iceland. So instead of having tanks, they would simply load construction equipment on because this was the ideal type of ship. They could drive it right up on the beach, drive the construction equipment off. You didn't have to have a prepared harbor and they could build their radar base. So it spent several years doing that. And it did not fight in Korea because during Korea it was building radar bases in the North Atlantic. Then after that, it was re-decommissioned. In uh, 1966, it was given to the Greeks as part of the military aid. The Greeks ran it uh, from 66 until 1999, and they got ready to scrap it out. They were scrapping, and they had a whole series of LSTs, not just this one. And when they were scrapping them out, apparently there was a clause in the aid when we gave it to them, so they had to offer it back to the United States. And the United States was taking none of them back because they were very old ships. At the same time, there was the LST, the LST soldiers, sailors, um, were realizing that there was no monument to the LST sailors. They built 1,051 of these. That's more ships than they built of any other type of ship in World War II. Wow. And yet, as I'm sure your, your listeners all know, there are many aircraft carriers, battleships, cruisers, destroyers all around the country that serve as monuments to the people that sailed them. There were no LSTs, and they realized that they were disappearing fast. So a bunch of the veterans groups got together. And they started looking for an LST. And I do not remember the number. They found one in Greece. And they uh, petitioned. They had some actually, they had, uh, I believe it was three congressmen who sponsored a bill that said we would take the ship, the United States would take the ship back from Greece. And then they would turn it around and they would give it, donate it to the LST Memorial Association. Well, I'm sure that that every this is uh, a lot of what the people are going to learn uh, on this tour, just a a really rich and uh, interesting history. So the tour is October 7th through the 11th. Uh, So does the tour has the tour already started today? Yes, we've had quite a few visitors on here already today. Okay, so what's the process of signing up for a tour? There is no process of signing up. All you have to do is show up. Uh, if I can look out right now, there is no line. You can come right onto the ship. And, uh, I believe the admission is $10 for an adult and $5 for a child, and you can walk right on. We walk yourself right through those entrances, through the bow doors that I described where they uh, 
drove the tanks on and off through. You come through there, you look at the tank deck, and then you take a tour through the whole ship, pretty much self-guided. There are uh, roughly 50 crew members here, and they uh, will answer any questions you have. Wow, the, sounds uh, good. Pretty much how the ship operated. All right, that sounds really good. Uh, very interesting stuff. Thanks so much for joining us, Captain Bob. We appreciate it. All righty. Well, thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. All right. That was Captain Bob Kubota. Um, he was talking about the landing ship. You can see it in Vicksburg. Uh, you just have to look up the USS LST-325 World War II landing ship, and uh, you get to go on that tour. Uh, well, Bruce, Mississippi is the latest lace to receive a Blues Trail marker. It's to honor Leo Bud Welch, and we spoke with Joel McNeese about the marker earlier. Um, I started by asking Joel about the importance of the marker to the area, and this is uh, Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. The marker for us here in Calhoun County really is a celebration of all of our music heritage here. Um, it, it really got initiated by uh, Leo Bud Welch, our local bluesman who has been an international success here at a late stage in life. He's 84 years old and still touring the world. Now, is it true that that his career got started just a a couple years ago? Just a couple of years ago. He played in clubs all over all his life, but he he never recorded an album until a local friend decided to get him in a studio and actually get him recorded, and it just spread like wildfire once he had a CD out there that people could actually hear for themselves. So Mm -hmm. he, he was really the impetus of it all. Um, and, and we got behind that. We hosted our first blues festival this past spring, and all of the proceeds went toward this marker. Um, that covered most of the cost that was involved, but then what little was left, uh, we had private donations from local folks that wanted to see this happen um, that came up with the rest of the funding. But uh he, so Leo Bud Welch is a central part of the marker, and we're really celebrating him uh, and our tie to the blues here where we had a lot of clubs, a lot of jukes, as they've been called here, uh, throughout the years, but but also a celebration of our music heritage. Sacred harp singing is really big here. Gospel, um, the old African-American gospel, our southern gospel uh we have such a rich history of music in our county and we're such an isolated county that it's really kind of been a kept a secret and so getting on the blues trail and the commission's work to help include us just means a lot to this community to our entire county so we're we're really excited you mentioned the harp singing what are some other genres uh, that the county is known for if you say calhoun county do you think bluegrass do you think country what do you think you really get a good mixture of it all. That, that's that's why we are so excited about this marker, because we are so diverse in our music. Um, we have a great history of blues here. We've had clubs here where B.B. King and Bobby Rush and Little Milton and so many have come through playing throughout the years. But we also have a really strong bluegrass element around our county. We have uh, regular picking and grinning sessions um, at little local places, uh, we have a picking shed and banner that's kind of between Bruce and Oxford where they get together on Saturday nights, and it's just a whoever wants to come and bring an instrument, sit in and play. Um, 
we have a little Opry house that uh, Estimate Parker, who is a member of the Coleman family, who has a really rich history in bluegrass and southern gospel music here. Um, she's hosted an Opry house out at her house for years and years that so many would go out there just to listen uh, to bands from all over that would come in and play. Um, and really, sacred harp singing goes back two centuries and long before this county was established, but the we had, the annual convention still meets at our primitive churches here in the county, and they get together, and, and it is really a, a beautiful art that, that it's hard to describe unless you sit and hear them actually singing the notes, and, you know, we take a lot of pride in that, too. So it, it, it really is a very diverse, eclectic kind of mix of music here that we're trying to celebrate, and this marker's given that opportunity. Now, the name Ace Cannon should ring a bell to some people, but for those that it doesn't, talk about Ace, his saxophone career, and his connection to Calhoun County. Oh, he's, I mean, he is the godfather of the sax, and he he still lives in Calhoun City. He's active in the community. Um, you know, we, we our county celebrates him regularly. Uh, around Calhoun City, we're installing uh, saxophones around town, kind of, so that people passing through can see it and recognize that that it, it is his hometown, and we take a lot of pride in that. So uh, he's still very influential here, um, and, and we celebrate his music on an annual basis. He, he generally has an annual show um, at our country club over at Calhoun City, and it, it, it's always a big turnout to hear Ace and his band perform. So talk to us about what the county is expecting with uh, the inception of this Blues Trail marker. Are you going to be expecting more tourists? What do you think this means for the county from a tourist perspective? Um, I, I definitely believe it will bring people in to kind of see Calhoun County that probably have never been here. You know, we're the only county in Mississippi that does not have a four-lane highway touching it anywhere. Oh. So you really have to be coming to Calhoun to pass through Calhoun. So that's, when I say we're isolated, we're isolated, but you don't pass through here going somewhere else. You have to be coming here. So that it, it, it makes, there's a lot of secrets here along those lines, and this marker's kind of bringing that out and sharing some of our history uh, with the rest of Mississippi and beyond. Um, I know I can speak for me personally. I have a group of friends that we like to travel around, and we do the Tamale Trail. We do this Blues Trail. We love just going marker to marker and kind of getting a taste of that Mississippi history. And, you know, there are there are some we've got almost 200 blues markers out there now. And there's so much you can learn just from going place to place. And every time we do that, we meet so many people from all over, not just Mississippi and the U.S., but from Europe that come here that are so fascinated with the blues. And they travel around wanting to see these markers and get an get an uh, experience of what that the local culture is like. So we fully expect it's going to attract people to come here because they're going to want to see the marker and Bruce and what's behind it, what the stories are, and, and it's going to allow us to kind of show them other aspects of our town, of our county, and, and really just be a good celebration point for us. The marker is going to be unveiled at the Bruce Company Store in Bruce, Mississippi. Is there any historical importance to Bruce Company Store? That's what the town was founded on in Bruce. Um, we are the uh, where money grows in trees. Uh, mm. We're a sawmill town. Um, we were founded uh, by the E.L. Bruce Company out of Memphis. They came here to uh, 
and built the sawmill, and then they basically uh, the hardwood was so rich here that they were bringing in so many workers that they needed them a place to live, so they basically built a town for them, and that's where the name Bruce comes from. So the E.L. Bruce Company store is the largest building in the county. It sits right on the Bruce Square, and it now is um, owned by the Chamber of Commerce and houses our museum. Uh, and so the marker is going to sit right out in front of it, and, and it has some personal meaning to uh, Leo because he cut timber for Bruce Company. He worked for Bruce Company during his younger life, and he's played out on that same square so many times and on the streets of Bruce. Uh, when he was home on the weekends, out of the woods from cutting timber, he'd come home and grab his guitar and go sit in front of a cafe and play. So uh, everybody around here knows him and knows his draw to the blues. And so that's the marker's going to sit right out there in front of that building, right on the square. And it, it has a lot of sentimental meaning to all of us. You mentioned earlier that Leo Bud Welch is going to be honored for the unveiling of the marker. Are people going to get a chance to see him perform, or is he going to be performing soon in the area? He performs regularly in the area. He will be there uh, to meet and greet everybody. Um, We have at the the unveiling is happening in the middle of our uh, Schooner River Arts and Music Festival. So we will actually have live music and uh, arts and crafts going on on the square while we're doing the unveiling. So there will be plenty of live music, and uh, Leo's going to be around to go around and, and visit with folks and sign autographs and hang out and have his picture made. So it's going to be a fun afternoon, and the, naturally the weather for tomorrow looks like it's going to be absolutely gorgeous as it has been. So, so we're really excited for a wonderful day in Bruce. Sounds good. Well, uh, Joel, can you tell us where people can go to find more information about Bruce? You can. You can obviously go to the CalhounCountyJournal.com. That's our newspaper's website, and we're a big uh, proponent of our county. We take a lot of pride in our county, and we have so many features and stories about that. You can also go to uh, the Bruce Chamber of Commerce website. Um, It is BruceChamber.net. Or you can call our Bruce Chamber of Commerce at 662-983-2222, and they will be glad to answer any questions and send you out some information about Calhoun County and get you to come and visit us. Sounds good. Joel, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. We appreciate it very much. All right, and uh, we're going to get to downtown Carla Brown in just a second. Warren is on the line. Warren, we're running short on time. What's going on in uh, in the Oxford area? You're in Oxford. I'm in Oxford, and uh, the gentleman was uh, mentioning uh, about Calhoun County, the importance of sacred harp singing. And in that area and, and this area, we have sacred harp singing, and there's one tomorrow, an all-day sacred harp singing in Taylor Mississippi. It's Lafayette County between Oxford and Water Valley. Okay, and sounds good. That is, uh, uh, as the man said, it, it's hard to understand or describe if you haven't been there, but it's a, a community musical event. People participate, they sing. There's not really so much of an audience, and it's um, non denominational. And uh, singing from a songbook that was first printed in 1844. And it's been a if you if you don't know what it is, your 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 grandparents probably know. 
All right, Warren, thank you so much. I appreciate it. The Sacred Heart event in Taylor, Mississippi. All right, we move now to downtown Carla Brown out of Natchez, and we're going to hear about uh, her story. We have a few minutes here. Carla, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you. All right, so tell us your story. Um, you started off as an eight, uh, 18-wheeler driver, and in some way you came from Alaska to Natchez. How did you get to Natchez? Well, I had been here before, actually. Um, many About 15 years ago, I walked across America, and that's how I discovered Natchez. I literally walked into town and walked out of town. Well, then I continued on and finished my walk up in D.C., and and uh, there were a, there were a few, few months there where I was just kind of wandering in the wilderness. I didn't know what to do with myself after that. And some mm-hmm. people that I met in Natchez, they said, well, come down here. We'll put you to work. So that was kind of my introduction. <laughs> I got down here to Natchez. The very next thing that happened was Katrina came blowing in, and uh, that, that was my first impression of Natchez, Mississippi. So just to get an understanding of what you do, you operate a shuttle service, but you also offer tours for people coming in to Natchez and if they want to go outside of Natchez, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I, I do shuttle service. I do airport runs. In fact, tomorrow I'm going to be taking some bicycles up to Nashville. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, they ride the trace all the time. They ride up and down the trace, mm-hmm. the Natchez Trace Parkway. So tomorrow I'm taking some bicyclists up to Nashville so they can turn around right back down. Wow. Now, we, we spoke uh, we spoke earlier this week, and you said that you were going to be hosting uh, some ghost tours. Uh, now, tell us, what, what happens on a ghost tour, and what do you tell them, folks, on this tour? Well, we start the ghost tour. We start about 30 minutes before sunset, because the first place we go out to is a cemetery, and the cemetery closes at dark. So uh, we start just before dark, but most of it is driving around. We do get out in a few places. Probably the most exciting place is that we go inside the old county jail where people used to be hanged. Hmm. And uh, it it seems like every now and then we can get some activity going on in there. So about how many tours do you do a day? Well, usually I do two or three a day. Um, I I have like just a drive around tour. If you don't want to really get out in places, I'll, I'll drive you around for a couple hours and talk about the history and point out the buildings. The ghost tour is probably the most popular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also do a food tour where I take you to five different restaurants, and and we have a little snippet of of food to to sample. And and uh, I also do a Greg Isles book tour. You know that's really a popular one too. Greg Isles, he's a local author here in town, and uh, quite a few of his books take place here in town. So I have a Greg Isles tour where I'll drive you around and point out 35 different places that he mentions here in town. Wow, sounds good. So um, when people get to Natchez, how do they go about reaching you? Well, uh, I am on the the Visitor Center website, but my website is downtowncarlabrown.com. Uh, Downtown Carla Brown, I still Carla with a K. And all my tours and everything is on there, too. Plus, if people just type in ghost tour, I, I usually pop right up for that, too. Okay, so you're the first priority. All right, so I see history tours, the ghost tour, the Greg Isles book tour, drive around Natchez tour, good mood food tour. Sounds good. Sounds like you have a good there thing go. running there. All right, yeah. Carla. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, safe travels out there with the bicyclists uh, heading up to Nashville. Thank you very much. It looks like beautiful weather. Nice time. Nice time to go out for a drive and a bike ride. 
Absolutely. That was downtown Carla Brown. Uh, she hosts tours, trips, and a shuttle service in Natchez, Mississippi. That's going to wrap us up here on Next Stop Mississippi. Kevin Farrell was our board operator and producer for today. Our call screener, I believe, was Jay White. Uh, so stay tuned. Southern Remedy for Women is coming up next. Oh, and by the way, don't forget to download our podcast. If you have a podcast app, you can download it that way or go to mpbonline.org. All you have to do is search Next Stop Mississippi MPB to find it. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. Southern Remedy for Women is up next right here on MPB Think Radio. Thank you.